Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Praise the Lord. Man, does anybody else feel what I feel right now? Am I the only one? Because I feel something. I feel them in here. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I'm up here, nerves or something. But I, I feel God. I really do. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know he's doing something. And uh, he's doing something at FAC this year. Uh, we've just got to uh, take advantage of what he's doing. Uh I want to give honor to my bishop tonight, uh, being here and just uh, uh, being here all the time. Uh, unless he's sick or unless he's just not feeling well, you're going to find him here. You're going to find him in the prayer room. You're going to find him in there lifting names up. And if you're in there very long, you'll hear him lift your name up every time. I promise you that. And uh, and he's just a constant encourager. And I want to uh, uh, give honor to him and, and Brother Mason for just uh, being here and just uh, leading us in worship, God. And no matter if he's feeling well or not, you know that he's been going through his coughing spells and stuff like that. And, and I'm sure this singing, when not being able to do that, is really kind of killing him. And you can tell that because sometimes he'll join in anyway. He's going to pay for it later, but he's going to join in anyway. And uh, just because that he just feels it, and uh, I'm going to give him honor for that. And, and Pastor, I know he's not here, but i got to give him honor because he's, he's trusting me. Uh, that's, a, that's a big thing. It really is, whether you think it or not. He's trusting me to, to come forth with something that, uh, you know, that I'm not going to lead you guys astray. And I, and I pray that, that I don't do that. I want Everything that comes out, I want it to be clear. I want it to be of God. And, uh, you know, i got to give honor to my wife and Lucas uh, for just being here and supporting me and uh, giving me time to do, do my studying. And just even when he's a pistol, he still, you know, loves me. And he'll still say, Dad, I love you and I missed you. Even five minutes later, he's going to be a little pest but uh, <laughs> but but that's just him but uh all right we're gonna turn uh to second peter uh three nine and ten i'm gonna read a little bit of scripture i won't keep you standing as long as i did last time i promise uh it starts off as second peter three nine and ten says uh the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to usward not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repent come to repentance and uh this fret this next part i just want let's lean into this it says but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up verse 10 starts out but the day of the lord shall come as a thief in the night uh, i want to preach just on this topic uh, I don't know if it's going to be long or short. I cannot promise you that. It'll probably be uh, somewhere in the middle. Let's try that. Uh, it's, my title is, It's Time to Wake Up. It's time to wake up. Uh, can you all just pray with me right now? I need God's guidance right now. Father God, we love you, God. We praise you, God. We just need you to take hold of this service tonight, God. Lord, that you would anoint these words and these lips of clay, God. Lord, I just want your words to come forth, God. Lord, as you've given them to me, God, Lord, I want to pass them on, God. Lord, take me element out of it, God. Lord, if my voice 
Let it be your words, God, to strengthen and encourage somebody this day, God. Lord, speak to someone's heart, soul, and mind, God. Give you all the glory and all the honor. <laughs> Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen. Y'all may be seated. So, uh, I've got something up here. I'll just get it to work here maybe in a second. Probably. Can everybody hear that? Can everybody hear that? It's probably one of the, that's an alarm clock, right? It's probably one of the, the most annoying sounds ever created. How many thinks an alarm clock is probably one of the most annoying sounds ever created? <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not the only one, okay? The alarm clock is just annoying. And uh, for most married people, you'll, uh, you'll have, you might say that the, uh, the snooze button is probably one of the worst creations ever, right? The snooze button. How many, how many hate the snooze button? Not because you use it, but because maybe your spouse uses it uh, far too many times, I'm sure. Uh, and I know, you know, uh, but the snooze button, this alarm clock, though, uh, it's very important, right? How many of you would say that an alarm clock is probably pretty important in your life? Especially if you have an early morning job or if you fall asleep in the afternoon knowing you've got to be up for something, you, you probably set an alarm clock. And if you're like me, uh, before I was married, uh, I would set probably five alarm clocks and probably still sleep through them. It's pretty bad. I can sleep through an alarm clock, but now that I'm married, my alarm clock is my wife, and uh, I can't just hit the snooze on that. I get, I get in trouble when I try and do that. Uh, <laughs> but, but we set the alarm to wake us up for various things, right? Uh, such as school, right? You might set the alarm clock because you got to get up early in the morning for school. You stayed up late the night before studying, got to get up for school. Work, uh, appointments, whatever appointments may be, doctor's appointments, uh, job interviews, anything. Uh, and, you know, most of us probably set the alarm for church because church, you don't want to be late for church, right? So when we set the alarm, we know how long it usually takes for us to get ready, you know, for women to do your hair and get dressed, you know, pick out clothes, the five outfits you're going to wear that day. Uh, for men, you know, it's just, we, we know how long it's going to take. It may be five minutes for some men. It may be 45 minutes for some men. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Uh, but no, it may, uh, but we know how long it's going to take. And then we know how long it's going to take to get where we're going, right? We've got this figured in. That way when we set the alarm clock, we know, okay, well, it takes me this long to get ready, this long to get there. Okay, I can probably go to this amount of time. I've got to be up by this time, otherwise I'm, I'm going to be late. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to make it there on time, or I'm going to have to drive just a little bit faster than usual. But if we do not, hit, but if we do not set the alarm, if we do not hear our alarm, or if we set the snooze button, we hit that snooze button just too many times, chances are that we're probably just going to be late for whatever we have to do, right? You're probably not going to be there on time because you've already figured in to how much time it's going to take. If you exceed that time on waking up, you're probably not going to make it there on time. You don't know what traffic's going to be like. So, so if it's school, if you're late to school, it's considered tardy, right? If you're late to work, in my case, if I was late to work, I could be written up. I could, and if I've done it too many times, that's termination. I no longer have a job. I want to get up early in the morning. No. <laughs> uh, and if it's an appointment, like a doctor's appointment, you might have to wait around for them to get an opening, or you may have to reschedule for another day. So hopefully you're not very sick or you're not waiting on a timely manner. If it's a job interview, you may not get that opportunity again. You may, they may not call you back to come back for another job interview. 
But I've come to tell us tonight that there's one thing that if we're just too late, if we're, if we're late to do it, there's just no opportunity to do it over. Right? So if we wait too long to get right with the Lord, if we wait too long to, to get right with our salvation, uh, we must know that there's consequences, right? There's consequences for waiting too long, for hitting the snooze button just too many times, right? So we know that there's a heaven, right? That's why we come here. That's why we worship God, because we know that there's a heaven. And that's what we're striving to get to, is to heaven. We want to walk on those streets of gold. We want to be up there. We want to hear him say, enter in and well done, my good, faith, good and faithful servant, right? That's what we're striving to do. That's where we want to be someday. But, but just as we believe that there's a heaven, we also know that there's a hell, right? You can't have one. As, as some people and some uh, religions want to just say that there's just not even a hell. That just doesn't even happen. Everyone's going to heaven. It's just going to be a glorious day. Everyone's going to be there. But we know that that's not going to happen. We know that there's a hell. And we know that uh, it just enlarges itself every day, right? Every day. It just gets bigger and bigger. So that's a place that nobody wants to go to. And I don't want to see anybody sentenced there. And I say sentenced because after the judgment... You're going to be sentenced, and that's going to be a sentence where you go to if you're not right with the Lord, if you are not got the salvation right. Isaiah 5 and 14, like I said, says, Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. We don't even know how big it's getting. People are going there so much every day. So I've heard people say, I know I'm going to hell. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard somebody say that? They must not know what they're saying. So that usually they say this whenever they're, they're saying or do something that they know is wrong. Oh, I know I'm going to hell. I just said something bad or I just did something wrong. I know, I know where I'm going. But honestly, I'm a firm believer that they have no clue where they're going. They have no clue what's in store for them. Because I believe that they had a glimpse of what was going to take place for an eternity. They wouldn't be doing the things that they're doing. They would want to be doing some things differently. Don't you think? Amen? See, they would know that there would be no peace and no joy there. Scripture tells us that there will be everlasting punishment there. How many of you have ever been punished? As a child, you've been spanked, you've had a, a paddle, a switch, you've had, you know, there's some kids that may have not have experienced that, I don't know, but you've been, uh, you know, whipped or whatever, you know, that we call child abuse now, but... Uh, growing up, that wasn't child abuse. That was a, that was a punishment. It's because I did something wrong, so I had to have, I was getting punished for it. But that punishment lasted for a few swatches. The pain went away, and I was good and to go about my business. But Scripture tells us that hell is an everlasting punishment. It's never going to go away. It's not going to last for 100 years or 1,000 years. It's everlasting. Why? Because if it was 100 years or 1,000 years, we would be holding on each and every day to hope that it's eventually going to end. But it's not. God says it's an everlasting punishment. So Luke 16, starting in verse 19, gives us a little glimpse of what that's going to be like. If you guys have ever read the story uh, of Luke 16, starting in verse 19 through the rest of that chapter, it talks about a certain rich man. A certain rich man. It doesn't give his name. But then it talks about a beggar named Lazarus. Now, if there's a few Lazaruses. I don't believe it's the one Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> but, uh, but his name was Lazarus, and he sat outside the gate. He was a beggar. 
He, uh, he, that means he was not able to work. He didn't have a job. I don't know what his issue was, why he did not have a job or why he could not work. But, uh, you know, if you're reading the scripture, it says that uh, dogs were licking his sores. So he evidently had sores. He was just not able to move. He sat outside this rich man's gate. And the only thing he was hoping for was scraps from the rich man's table. He doesn't want, he didn't want a, a plate brought out to him. He's just hoping for the scraps that fell on the floor. And let me tell you, they don't have floors like we have nowadays. It was probably a dirty, nasty floor where people were, dirt was trodden in and out. He didn't care that dirt was on it. Most of you wouldn't eat something that had just a little bit of dirt on it. But, uh, but he didn't care. He was just wanting just for a little bit. But uh, as we read that, as we read about Lazarus in this uh this rich man, we find out that they both died. Jesus is telling us that they both died. And uh, Lazarus was carried away by angels into heaven, into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man uh, went to hell. And uh, so he's down in hell. He's able to look up and he sees Lazarus in heaven, right beside Father Abraham. And he's being tormented. He's down in hell. It's so hot down there. He's, of course, suffering his uh, eternal punishment. And he doesn't like it. And he asked that Father Abraham would send this Lazarus, this beggar that had sores all his life, sitting outside the gate and was just hoping for scraps. He asked that he would send him down to him just so he could dip his finger in some water just to cool his tongue. He didn't ask for him to bring a glass of water to him, a bottle of water down there. He just asked, you know, just dip your finger in there, put it on my tongue just so I have a little bit of coolness because it is so hot down here. I'm so parched. I just want this little bit of relief. Of course, the scripture tells us that Abraham says, uh, that cannot happen. I cannot send him down there. There's a big chasm between us. That way you guys can't come up here and we can't go down there. We can't just have intermingling parties and stuff. Uh, we're not going to do that. That cannot happen. So the rich man, being suffering, suffering so much, just asked Abraham, well, just send Lazarus. Send him down to earth. That way he can tell my family, go to my family's house, because I've got five brothers that just need to hear the word. That way they don't have to come down and experience what I'm experiencing. That's all he's asking. He's like, okay, well, I know you can't help me, but could you send Lazarus down here to help my brothers because they need to hear the word so that they don't fall into the same mistakes that I did. But Abram explained, you know, well, I can't do that either. And he's like, why? He said, well, they have Moses and the prophets. That's who's walking with them right now. They're telling them all about what they need to do. He said, but, but no, not them. They, they won't listen to them. But, but if you send a dead man back, if you raise this man from the dead and send him, oh, they will surely listen to them. But Abraham further explains, and this is what we fall into, I think, today, too, that uh, we think, well, if a miracle happens, we're going to believe it. If we see something happen, uh, we're going to believe it. People are going to change, and they're going to do that. And, and he says, you know, if they will not believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe a dead man. They're not going to believe this guy that raised from the dead. If they're not going to believe these people that are already walking among them and do that, they're not going to believe this dead man that supposedly come out of the grave. Right? So just as Moses and the prophets were sent to preach and teach people about salvation and the consequences of going down the wrong path, because that's what they were due, that's why Abraham said that they were there to do, to teach them, we are to do likewise and follow their example, Right? That's what we've been called to do. Because are we not apostolic? We're apostolic, which means we preach and teach like the apostles, right? We follow their doctrine. We want to do what they did. And who taught the, uh, who taught the apostles? Jesus. 
So if we follow the apostles and follow their doctrine, are we not following Jesus and his doctrine? So just because we are saved, what does it mean to be saved? It means you repent, you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. But that doesn't mean that we're good to just stop there. We can't just stop there. Matthew 25, uh, if you read the, the uh, chapter of Matthew 25, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in that chapter. It starts, uh, it starts off about the ten virgins, and then it eventually goes down, and it talks about um, when, uh, you know, he's talking about feeding the hungry, right? Uh, the thirsty, the stranger, the person that was naked, giving them clothes, the people that were sick, giving it, you know, helping them back to health. Those that were in prison were going unto them and visiting them. And he said, you know, this is what I've called you to do is to go unto the hungry, feed them. You know, give thirsty to the ones that are drink. The ones that are strangers, you know, just walk with them, talk with them, tell them about me. Those that are naked, give them clothes, right? Those that are sick, help them, nurse them back to health. Just like the, you know, the good Samaritan, right? And those that were in prison, he said, uh, so that's how we're supposed to help the least of them, right? God says that you're supposed to help them. But as we read that, we're like, they're like, well, Jesus, when did we, when did we ever help you? We didn't ever see you naked. We didn't ever see you thirsty. Uh, you were never hungry that we had to give you any bread or anything. We never saw that. But he said, when you did this to the least of them, you did this unto me. And so whenever you did that, whenever you did this stuff in Matthew 25, he considered you righteous. And he said, you know, go on. You were basically going to go into heaven. That's what it's time, time to do, right? But he said for the ones that did not, there was consequences. Right? He said, if you don't do this, but if you did not do any of this, he will tell us to depart from him. We shall go away into an everlasting punishment. So if we, if we read the Bible and we take it and we don't pick stuff out and pick and choose what we want and just go from there, right? We, we take it all for what it is. Then we will know that we can't just stop at Acts 2.38 and 2.39 Right? You can't leave 239 out of there, but you can't stop there. That is vital. Acts 238 is vital to our salvation. That's what it says. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, of course, then I add on 239, for this promise is unto you and to your children, as many as are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Because when we're talking, when we're doing outreach, when we tell people about 238, they don't think that it's for them. They don't think that the Holy Ghost is for them because they don't read 239 or somebody hasn't told them about 239 that they go hand in hand, right? But that's what we're called to do. We're called to preach and teach and do what, do what the apostles did because if we don't, if we don't tell others about God, if we don't do like the disciples did, we won't see miracle signs and wonders. We won't see these things take place, which is what the disciples did, right? Mark 16 and 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach and teach the gospel to every creature. It wasn't just go to your friends and your family. Go to this person or that person. You know, actually don't even go anywhere. Just once you're saved, just kind of hang around. You're good. Just keep going, church. Right? He says, go and tell everyone. So why would you want to keep this thing to yourself? Why would you not want to tell others about it? Right? So it's just like the story of the, uh, the, 
servants that were given money, right? To be stewards of the money, right? When he gave, he gave some, he gave one more than the other and one more than the other, right? So, of course, we, we read about the ones that did well and they did good and they were profited and they were, they were given much more. But we also read about the one that was given and he took and just stored it away, buried it, right? Because he was afraid of the master, afraid of what he would do if he actually lost the money instead of actually trusting and gaining some money back. Uh, you know, and then what, did, what happened? The master took, took what he had, that little bit, took it away from him. He didn't even have it and just did away with that guy. So that's what God's kind of entrusting with us, is that he's entrusting with us the little that we're given. Some of you aren't looking at it as much. Some of you will look at pastor and be like, oh, well, he's given, you know, so much. He, he knows the word. He's given intelligence. He's up here pastoring a church. He, can, he knows the word. He's doing this. He's doing that. And then you're like, well, I'm just me. I just, you know, I just know a little bit about the Bible. I read a little bit here and there. I don't, there's not really much that I can do, I don't think. So I'm just going to attend, and I'm not really going to do anything. I'm just going to be here. I don't think there's really much that I can offer the kingdom of God because, because I've done stuff in my past, and, and people are going to look at me, and that's probably going to lead somebody astray. They're going to think, well, we don't want to follow that guy. He's, you know, he's done this. He's, he used to be an alcoholic. Why would you want to follow that guy? Or They used to be, like, the biggest drug addict I've ever known, you know, right? But God says, just trust in me, and I can use you. But you have to trust in me. That little that I've given you, it's a testimony, right? Too many people don't want to rely on their testimony. But that's what God, God has given you. That may be all that God has given you right now. But in order to gain more, in order, did it, I didn't know that I would ever be up here, up here doing this. Honestly. Ten years ago, a little over ten years ago now, uh, I wasn't even, I did not even think that I would ever even attend an apostolic church. I probably couldn't even say apostolic, to be honest with you. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever told somebody where you're going to church, and you're like, they're like, apple what? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's, it's Pentecostal, okay? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay, well, I know what that is. You kind of break it down a little bit, right? Uh, I never thought that I would be here. Why? Because I, one, I just never even thought about it. Two, I did things that I just never even, you know, I just did whatever I wanted to do. I was drinking, I was smoking cigars, and I was smoking marijuana and stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a testimony, right? Sure, some, of, some people, some of us can be ashamed about it, but, and some of us, you know, but it's all in what you want to do with it. I was doing things that I should not be doing, and if, and if God would have come back that time in 2007, before I had ever walked inside to this, this apocalyptic, ap <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> this apostolic church, if I, before I had ever walked in here, do you know where I would have been uh, damned to? <laughs> I'd have been to this everlasting punishment. Why? Because I was going, I had attended a different church that didn't even know truth, right? That didn't teach it, didn't preach it. They did whatever they wanted to do. You did whatever you want to do on the weekends, and this is what, you know, you go and you do whatever you want on the weekends, so you come to church on Sunday, you take up communion, you know, give a little bit in the offering plate, you're good to go for a few weeks or a couple weeks or whatever you want to do until you want to come back, right? That's where I was living. That's what I was doing. So, but then I was invited here, then I came here, then I didn't understand what was going on here, <laughs> right? Being, never being to a Pentecostal apostolic church, and then, of course, I did, did my research, okay? 
Not really. You go home and you Google. When you find out what they are, you go home and you Google. Okay, well, what is this really? I'm not, I don't know if I want to attend this, you know. And, and you go home and you got to be careful. <laughs> you got to be careful what you look for on the Internet. Because you can start looking up Pentecostal and apostolic, and, and boy, they can take you down a path that is just not what we believe here. I'll tell you that right now. I, but man, I started reading, and it was about women were not allowed to talk. They did not do any preaching. They did not do this. They did not do that. Well, of course, when you attend here, you see a whole lot of different stuff going on here. Women are being used. Women can do messages and interpret tongues and interpretations because God said in his word that it doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're male, female, old, young. He can use you. It's just a matter of what you want to do with them. And so when you come here, when you get to know it, you're going to find out a whole lot more than what you can find on the Internet because you never know what you're going to learn until you truly experience it. Because you can do all the research, you can do all the studying, you can listen to everything you want, but until you experience the presence of God and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you have no clue. You're just taking somebody's word for it. Amen? So how many of us have been kind of led astray by somebody's word? Like, well, I trusted you, and it didn't quite go like you said. Well, I didn't know it was going to happen like that. I didn't know that, yeah, I, I thought they would, I thought that'd be a little bit different. So unless you believe something, we always say seeing is believing, right? You don't believe it unless you see it. You know, you want to be able to experience, you want to be able to see the miracle signs and wonders. We have our doubts about everything. You know, people tell you stories about um, people getting up out of the wheelchairs, the blind being able to see and stuff like that. Nobody, I mean, honestly, if you tell somebody outside of here that's really never experienced the power of God, they're never going to believe that's probably ever happened anyway. That's just some made-up story that Jesus put in the Word, right? And those things just don't happen anymore. I mean, really, those things, uh, look at leprosy. Nobody ever has leprosy anymore. Well, that probably doesn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, but what I'm saying is um, we're able to see these things. Why? Because we've experienced the presence of God. We know what the Holy Ghost feels like. We know what it can do. We know that when you come into this place and when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, your life can change. But it's also a decision, right? Your life can change. you got to say can. You can't say that it will because there's many of people that have come in here that have stumbled in off the street. It was the first time in here. Come in here feeling the presence of God. First time in here got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues, and you see it all over them. They are so happy. They're so excited. And after that service, they've never been back. What happened? They went back doing their own thing. So you can change. Or you can go back to living your old lifestyle. So it's all about what you want to do. But we have to wake up. Right? We can't be sleeping. We just can't. So I'm going to open this altar right now, right? Because it's time to wake up. It's time for us all to wake up. Not just our backsliders, not just the ones who are lost, but all of us. So, you can go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, but we all have to wake up. We know that the backslider's asleep. We know that they keep hitting the snooze button. Because we've heard a backslider say, I know what I'm doing is wrong. And I know if God come back right now, I know where I'm going. Sure, you know where you're going. 
Do you know what you're going to experience? Do you know what that's going to feel like? Do you know what you're going to feel like? Read the Word. God will, God will give a little bit of glimpse to you. You know, God, if, if you read the Word and read about Jesus' teaching, He actually teaches a whole lot more on hell than He does heaven. Why, why would Jesus do that? Why would He teach more on hell than He does heaven? Because He doesn't want you to go there. Because he knows heaven's good, but, but if he can tell you about hell and tell you about the stuff that's going on there, maybe he can keep you from it. So if you guys want to just go ahead and stand. God has called us all to be disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be telling everyone we can about Jesus. Because we have the Holy Ghost, right? Many of us, almost every one of us in here probably have the Holy Ghost. And if you don't, that's something that you need to search for. This altar will be open, and if you need the Holy Ghost, I, I encourage you to come forward tonight. We'll pray for you, we'll lay hands on you, and you need to seek God. Because if he comes tomorrow, I don't want to know what's happening. I know that he has grace and mercy, but I also know what his word tells us. So we have to be telling everyone about Jesus. We cannot not wait until it's too late. <laughs> we cannot wait. We know what it's like to be late, Right? We have to do everything we can to save as many souls from an everlasting punishment as we can. It's time to wake up. Say it with me. It's time to wake up. Don't keep hitting the snooze button. Don't do it. We can't. We can't afford to. Don't just get up and shut the alarm clock off and go back to sleep. Don't do it. There are too many souls counting on us. Too many. So as many would. Let's go ahead and come forward. We need Jesus tonight. We need him to take over in our life. We need him uh, to, to help us to be disciples. To help us to wake up. To quit hitting the snooze button. To quit worrying about things that could go wrong and are going to go wrong. We need to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. We don't know the hour. Like I said, it's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come while you're sleeping. He's going to come when you least expect it. The only way we can, the only way we can overcome this, this inexpectancy, this thing that we just don't know when it's going to happen, is to be ready at every turn, to be ready at every moment. We have to be ready. It's time to wake up. of life a heart that is pure and the love that is blind faith that is fervently grounded in Christ Thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's FACMC Thank you and have a blessed day.